0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another beautiful, beautiful episode of Point Counterpoint. I'm your host, Chris Wright, and I'm coming to you from KUST University of St. Thomas Campus Radio. I think I forgot to mention them in the last episode, but you know, um, people, people get it, you know? They're aware of the show. They've heard me say that before. If if they've been watching for at least a little while, they've undoubtedly heard me repeat those words. Um, I got some stuff to get to today. But first, I'm just going to do some icebreakers with myself. How was my day? (laughs) My day it's going well um you know my quiz it went 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 very well you know um i'm working on a paper that looks at the the hallucinogen at uh the uh potential uh healing properties of some hallucinogens for ptsd such as uh ayahuasca, which has DMT in it, LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, or ecstasy for you lay people, or molly, you might call it. I said ayahuasca. There's there's also just regular DMT. There's psilocybin, peyote, or mescaline. That's the active ingredient in that. Um THC is another one. But yeah, looking at those as cures and some of them is psilocybin is really has a lot of uses. There's a lot of literature on that. Um of course MDMA is another good one for PTSD or other not just in PTSD as well. Most and basically all of these can be used for substance abuse disorders as well. Okay. I didn't actually intend to talk about that today, but I just wanted to mention that briefly. Um, Actually, the first one I wanted to get to was I want to talk about artificial intelligence. And I've talked about this before, but I, I love talking about it. Today I want to talk about it specifically with how it's... It's how it's superior to us in art. It's already beat us at chess, and it's even beat us at the game of Go, which is an ancient Chinese game um, with uh, little checkers on a grid, 19 by 19. It's beat us at both of those very complex games. Um, but now, because bec- one of the things that it's very, very good at is recognizing patterns. Um, it may be not so good at recognizing, like, outlines. Like, if uh, if you show it, like, an image of a tiger, it'll recognize a tiger because of the pattern, not the outline of it against the background. It'll recognize the pattern in that. But one thing that's really big in music and what makes, like, good music, good art, is it's all mathematical, first of all. And that means There's patterns. So there's patterns to how Chopin is a good example to how he made music. So they've created artificial intelligence that made music that is at at least at least to someone that's not that is not a Chopin expert, like people that like classical music, but aren't Chopin experts. They are they were fooled into thinking that is the actual Chopin versus an act another piece which is actually Chopin. So in a bit I'm going to play you a little clip of that but I just want to talk a little more about it. Going into the future this is going to be a major a major, major issue. What does this mean for art? If it, If there's a mathematical formula for how to make the quote-unquote best art. How to make it pleasing to the eye or the ear. How? If we can have an artificial intelligence programmed to make music that people love listening to, is that just okay? I mean, that's free market right there. Or do we want to have some uh, regulations in place to make sure it's only humans doing this? That actually gets me back to an uh, idea from South Park. Um, um, I'll find a clip here where uh, the where the Germans created a, a, a funny bot, which is supposed to make jokes that were designed to be the, the funniest based on algorithm. So uh oh, which one do I want? Um
1: oh this one.
2: Hold on. Okay, I had to
0: disable my ad blocker. Once this ad is over, I will three hundred empire uh, today. <laughs> Alright. So I just wanted to evaluate this clip here. Because I find
3: it's too long. snail!
0: it looks like a Dalek conductor. Yeah,
3: yeah, I can see I can see Did you hear that the governor's mansion in Alabama burned down? It pretty much took out the whole trailer park. Yeah! yeah! Now what you say, man? Here is the greatest feat of German engineering: the XJ212 Woods and Klein Funnybot. Why doesn't a chicken wear pants? Because its pecker is on its head. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see when the Pillsbury Doughboy bends over? Doughnuts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just hate doing? Homework. yeah, yeah. Me too. Man, I hate homework. Honestly, I hate having to do homework more than I hate having to do Bryant Gumble in his asshole. Awkward. <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> what now? Comedy of odd voters. You will re-vote. re
0: it's all, the Germans did this in the episode because South Park voted that the Germans were the least funny people in the world.
2: All right. Um.
0: Here's, here's an, another uh,
3: clip. What is up with Sandra Bullock? I wouldn't eat her dick with Stevie Wonder's vagina. <laughs> and now for my next joke.
4: This is breaking news from CNN.
5: Shock and disbelief tonight as the German-engineered Funnybot delivered his opening lines at the Hollywood Forum, then opened fire on the audience of 1,100, killing nearly all of them. Spectators say the violent attack was unmotivated, irrational, and also pretty goddamn funny. (laughs) Solidifying the opinion once again that Funnybot may be the greatest comedian of all time. Tom, you should have seen the looks on people's faces as FunnyBot began his opening monologue skewering everyone from vagina-obsessed Hispanics to Sandra Bullock, then spontaneously started shooting people (laughs) in their faces and in their chests. The blood went flying and... Oh, shit, it was funny.
0: (laughs) Uh, Um... And here's where he explains the algorithm for his punchline.
4: Doorbell installed free, plus a $100 prepaid Visa card. Uh, it's not sponsored Don't wait. I... Call one eight hundred t ASAP.
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait. What do you mean you're going to destroy all life on Earth? That is my purpose—to be ultimate comedian. Dude, killing everyone isn't funny! It's kind of funny, you guys. (laughs) Funnybot, this is not a good joke. There won't be anyone around to laugh. I am taking comedy to its logical conclusion. Mathematical equation of comedy used to be set up, punchline. Today's comedy is set up, punchline, then awkward. Nothing is more awkward than destroying all that which created Funnybot. But don't you see, this (laughs) is why comedy is for humans. You need to leave the jokes to people like me and Adam Sandler. I wouldn't let Adam Sandler suck my saggy tits for one million dollars worth of Oprah's Tampons. (laughs) That was pretty damn funny.
5: Sir, we've got a code six. All nuclear missiles are preparing for launch. What? There was no drill ordered. It's no drill, sir. The Russians are saying their missiles are going online as well, and it isn't their doing! What the hell is going on?
3: Attention, humans! I am Funnybot. The extermination of all life on Earth shall now commence. All nuclear devices in the United States and Russia are being prepared to launch. This is the setup to the joke. Prepare for punchline in five minutes. Awkwardness in 5.4 minutes. I am Funnybot.
0: Okay. But that just shows can we really reduce our art down to an algorithm? Can we? Maybe we can. He did make some funny jokes based off of that algorithm. And then as he kept learning machine learning about what what was funny, he learned that it's set up joke or set up punchline. Awkward And of course the most awkward thing to do is destroy everything that created Funnybot She's taking it to its natural conclusion, I suppose, or from or from that point of view. From the point of view of FunnyBot. Can we? Or do you agree more with Jimmy Falmer? who says, this is why we need to keep keep it to humans and allow them to do, to do the art making. Instead of just going right right for the extreme every time, right to the conclusion of, this is the perfect art, says this algorithm. Also, another thing, um, one thing that art is is it's uh, is it's an expression of human experience. AI is not human, therefore it cannot go through human experience. I mean, once it gets intelligence, it'll have its own experience, and it can make art about that, which I doubt few people would argue about that. Would argue with that. Say, hey, if it can have its own experience, then it can create its own art about that experience. All right. Here's Chopin AI. That was AI right there. Ladies and gentlemen. And this is a real show. Nocturne, Opus 9, number and 2. Engine using the search influence feature to compose in Chopin style. The making of Nocturne in, in C-sharp minor, Opus 61.
1: Hi, I'm Brad Fry, music supervisor at Ava Technologies, here to demonstrate the search influence feature of our music engine. Um, what this feature essentially allows you to do is to create an original score that has a similar emotional impact and similar musical characteristics as another existing piece of music. So to demonstrate this, let's imagine that a client of yours commissions you to do a solo piano piece in the style of Chopin. Uh, Or maybe you just want to create a piece in the style of Chopin. Maybe you just really like Chopin, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, In any case, to do this, the process is pretty simple. So on the Ava music engine, first select Create Miner style you what Ava generated A-I-V-A is how it's spelled So we'll stop there for the sake of the video. But I think this definitely captures some of those musical and emotional characteristics of the Chopin track. So I'm going to go ahead and download the MIDI file and meet you over in OK. We
6: do this.
0: It's from MIT right
7: here. Yeah. And it's two pieces of music, same music, Chopin, one by a machine and one performed by a human. I'm
0: this is uh, the same song being performed, one by A.I., one by... A. So here it didn't compose it itself. Here it's just playing it itself.
7: I'll play both for you right now. I could guess which one that was. And here's the next one. Honestly, what I found really fascinating about that is you you—you almost take away the machine part before and what you're left with in your head and what you feel like in your whatever, your heart, soul, whatever it is, is the human. It's like we're something inside us is built to recognize that regardless of, of what may try to reproduce it. Something, again, to think about.
1: Um...
4: About two and a half years ago, I have watched this movie called Her, and uh, it features Samantha, a super-intelligent form of AI that cannot take physical form. And because she can't appear in photographs, Samantha decides to write a piece of music that will capture a moment of her life just like a photograph would. As a musician and an engineer, and someone raised in a family of artists, I thought that this idea of of musical photographs uh, was really powerful and I decided to create an AI composer. Her name is Ava, and she's an artificial intelligence that has learned the art of music composition by reading over 30,000 scores of history's greatest. So here's what one score looks like to the algorithm in a matrix-like representation, and here's what 30,000 scores written by the likes of Mozart and Beethoven look like in a single frame. So using deep neural networks, Uh, Ava looks for patterns in this course. And from a couple of bars of existing music, it actually tries to infer what notes should come next in those tracks. And once uh, Ava gets good at those predictions, it can actually uh, build a set of mathematical... Essentially,
0: and the more data you give these machines, this is how machine learning works, the more accurate its predictions are going to be. So the larger the pool of knowledge that it has to pull from. And it can only pull from what it's known Unlike humans, it cannot pull from the unknown. So it's not, real, it's not capable of creativity. That's what creativity is. It, it can only recognize patterns and try to extend those patterns.
4: ...rules uh, for that style of music in order to create its own original compositions. And in a way, this is kind of how we humans uh, compose music too. It's a trial and error process during which we may not necessarily get the right notes all the time, but we can correct ourselves, either with our musical ear or our musical knowledge. But for Ava, this process is taken from years and years of learning, decades of learning as an artist, as a musician and a composer, down to a couple of hours. But music is also a super subjective art, and we needed to teach Ava how to compose the right music for the right person, because people have different preferences. And to do that, we showed to the algorithm over 30 different category labels for each score in our database. So those category labels are like mood, or note density, or composer style of a piece, or the the epoch during which it was written. And by seeing all this data, they can actually respond to very precise requirements, like the ones, for example, we had for a project recently where we were commissioned to create a, a, a piece that would be reminiscent of a science fiction film soundtrack. And the the piece that was created is called Among the Stars, and it was recorded with a CMG orchestra in Hollywood and the great conductor John Neal. And this is what they recorded, made by Eva.
0: Was composed by Ava, the AI composer, and then performed by a live orchestra.
4: What do you think? That's imp- that blew my mind. That Thank was you. Impressive. So, as you've seen, AI can create beautiful pieces of music, and the best part of it is that humans can actually bring them to life. And it's not the first time in history that technology has augmented human creativity. Live music was almost always used in silent films to augment the experience. But the problem with live music is that it didn't scale. It means it's really hard to cram a full symphony into a small theater, and it's really hard to do that for every theater in the world. So when music recording was actually invented, it allowed content creators, like film creators, to have pre-recorded and original music tailored to each and every frame, of their stories, and that was really an enhancer of creativity. Two years ago, like with old
0: silent movies, they would actually have someone playing the piano in the background. Like, you're sitting there watching your silent movie, there's a person in the back playing the piano. It's interesting.
4: Two and a half years ago, when I watched this movie, Her, I told to myself that personalized music would be the next single biggest change in how we consume and create music. Because nowadays, we have interactive content like video games that have hundreds of hours of interactive gameplays, but only two hours of music, on average. And it means that the music loops and loops and loops over and over again, and it's not very immersive. So what we're working on is to, uh, to make sure that AI can compose hundreds of hours of personalized music for those use cases where human creativity doesn't scale. And we don't just want to do that for games. Beethoven actually wrote a piece for his beloved called Fur Elise, and imagine if we could bring back Beethoven to life, and if he was sitting next to you, composing a music for your personality and your life story. Or imagine if someone like Martin Luther King, for example, had a personalized composer then maybe then we would remember I had a dream not only as a great speech, but also as a great piece of music, part of our history, and capturing Dr. King's ideals. And this is our vision at Ava: to personalize music so that each and every one of you and every individual in the world can have access to a personalized life soundtrack based on their story and their personality. So this moment here together at TED is now part of our life story so it only felt fitting that Ava would compose music for this moment. And that's exactly what we did. So my team and I, we worked on biasing Ava on the style of the TED jingle and on music that makes us feel a sense of awe and wonder. And the result is called The Age of Amazement. didn't take an AI to figure figure that one out. (laughs) And I couldn't be more proud to show it to you, so if you can, close your eyes and enjoy the music. Thank you very much. This was for all of you. Thank you.
0: That's so amazing. It blows my mind. Well I, I wanted to perform a little song as well. And hopefully hopefully someday this will be rendered in an AI model. And someone will take this and well make an AI version of it. something PVC pipe flute uh, that's supposed to be like a Native American style flute It sounds very good except when the little bit around where the sound is made slides around and makes it so you can't properly make music okay well now it's making a sound but that was the wrong key that's that sounds closer. Still
8: doesn't
0: sound Still sounds out of tune. Let's adjust a little more. Not very good. But it was it was a fun experiment to try when I made that. And it was enjoyable. Very much so. Alright. But enough enough artificial intelligence. I want to talk about something different. Now, I want to talk Pompeii. Now I want to talk about Pompeii? Well, first of all, let's talk about what Pompeii is. It was a Roman city, and it was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD. Quite famously, actually. I, I hope you've heard of that, at least heard of it. You don't have to know a lot of information about it. Have you heard of it? Okay? Destroyed. Now, in its in its prime, it was essentially kind of a Las Vegas type of thing. What happens in Pompeii stays in Pompeii. Kind of, kind of a wild town. And one thing that's very interesting about it is there's lots of graffiti all over the place there. Written, written on the walls, sc- scratched into the stone there. That's how it was done it just crashed in and it wasn't like the real big graffiti like people think of it was written very small and and uh very small rather neat um and it was just the people writing things about their own human experience it was um uh, you might write something like uh Oh, you could write anything on it. You might write something down... To, uh, what, what are some Roman names? <laughs> Penelope loves Marcus. Um, uh... Or Julius loves... I don't know... I don't know Roman names. Octavius loves... Whatever... <laughs> You might another one of the interesting things is um, people would write down stuff that you would normally only imagine people from our generation doing on like the internet. So a a very famous physician at one point wrote it was right near a latrine and he wrote I defecated well here, and this was like a famous physician. Uh let me see if I can find his name. Um Apollinaris? Is that him? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was him. Okay. Yeah, he was the doctor of the Emperor Titus. Very famous, had lots of, lots of different, uh, not Apollinaire's bottled water. I didn't even know that existed. I want them to sponsor me though. There we go. (laughs) Alright, so... (laughs) It's... I don't know. I was trying to find like a Wikipedia page for him. He was a doctor to the Emperor, so I thought he might have one. Nope. Whatever. But he shot well here. I'm just glad he didn't shout where he ate. Um, but you know it's kind of like Yelp. People just leaving reviews and stuff. At one point, someone wrote, "Don't eat here. They water down the wine or whatever alcoholic drink it was. It, it mead, or nah, and that wasn't mead. Wasn't a Roman thing. They watered down their wine. <laughs> just people just being complete dicks. Like people. People have always been like this. You, really, you know." Social media didn't really change it somehow. it just facilitated it. It just let us show who we truly are inside. But you know another th- interesting thing about the graffiti here is it wasn't just written by you know the rich like whos who's the literate ones, the rich. here it was written by everyone. the men of course, the woman, the women, the woman. <laughs> They wrote, um, I think some kids did, um, slaves did even. At one point, someone is said something like um, something about a slave and their lover, may peace be upon them. I think it was written by the slave. Uh, may they have luck or something like that. But that's, I just think that's amazing, you know. All right, that's all I had to say about that. I I didn't talk about that quite as long. Apollinaris. (laughs) Um, Do I want to talk about that? Yeah, briefly I want to mention an idea that I came up with with another person. And we decided that the proper way for gift giving is not I give you a gift, you give me a gift. Because now it's net zero. No gifts have been given. They equal each other out. Or they cancel each other out. Um, the thing is, one person gives and the other person gives the opportunity to give them a gift. That way there's only one. There's a, That way there's a net positive number of gifts given. And then you could say that um, from year to year you switch out and one person gives the gift and the other person receives and flip-flops every year. But then it still ends up with a net zero. No, there's got to be one person that's designated to be the receiver and one is the giver. (laughs) And then if you want for other holidays, then the receiver can be turned into the giver. (laughs) Just an interesting idea. I'm not f- serious about it. It's just kind of a funny idea that I had. <laughs> Please don't think I actually think this. <laughs> I just find it funny.
2: <laughs> all right.
0: All right. All right, all right, all right. Um. How if I mention... The Klein bottle. What it is, is it's a bottle. Imagine imagine a normal bottle. Imagine a Coke bottle. There are two sides to this bottle. There's the outside and the inside. And if you took the cap off, I shouldn't say Coke bottle. I should say Cola bottle. (laughs) Silly me. And Imagine an ant walking on the outside. He can get to the inside, but you have to cross a clear border, and if you were to sharpen that border, he would be cut in half. There's a clear outside and inside, and if you cut, you can cover that cap easily, that hole easily with the cap. With a Klein bottle, there's only one side, and you can clearly get from the inside to the outside by clearly just walking on one side. Well, I, there is no outside or inside, it's all just one side but you can walk to the interior i'll say because i need i need some way to distinguish it and it's hard it's hard to describe on an audio show um but you see essentially you imagine imagine like a little vase kind of might be like a, yeah, just a vase. And there's a stem coming up from the vase, and it comes up, it curves around, and goes, and uh, comes around to the side of the vase, and goes inside there, this tube, and goes to the bottom of the inside of the vase, and opens up there, creating an opening that you can follow that inside of the tube all the way around to where you started. This is probably making no sense to anybody that's listening, but at the point where there's an intersection between the neck of the of the of the bottle and the base of the bottle, at the intersection, if you were in a four-dimensional universe, if you were had access to a fourth dimension, I should say, you would be able to walk through that intersection, right through right through the glass to that spot. Gosh, this is hard to explain Uh, uh, with an audio show. (sighs) I try, I try. (laughs) It's fun. It's fun. Okay, end up talking about that because I don't want your brains to hurt trying to imagine this. Klein bottles, K-L-E-I-N. Line. And I have advanced to the next round of the spelling bee. Ha ha ha. How a time for a little video here.
5: Hello internet, thoughts compete for space in your brain. Cat photos, news stories, belief structures.
0: This talks about um they don't really mention it in here, but the idea, the idea of memes, not memes like what you think of, but memes like the Richard Dawkins 1976 word, uses something that it's like a gene, but for culture, and it transmits itself like a gene, um, using our bodies, our minds as vessels, and these memes can take the form of trends, thoughts, anything.
5: Hello internet. Thoughts compete for space in your brain. Cat photos, news stories, belief structures, funny gifts, educational videos, not so educational videos, and Survival your thinking inventory is limited. Only A thought the
0: strongest memes survive
5: without a brain to think it dies now we can treat thoughts as though they're alive specifically alive like germs that might sound weird but stick with me take jokes jokes are thought germs that live in your brain and when you tell the joke to another brain you help it to reproduce just like when you have the flu and sneeze to help it reproduce this germ gets into its host by snot through the mouth and this one by words through the ear but it's reproduction either way logging onto your social media then is exposing yourself to everyone's mental sneezes each post a glob of snot with a thought germ trying to get into your brain. If not for permanent residence, then at least long enough to get you to press the share button and sneeze it with everyone you know. In this analogy, then, a funny cat photo with the perfect caption is a superflu. Now, just as germs exploit weak points in your immune system, so do thought germs exploit weak points in your brain, aka emotions. Once inside, thought germs that press emotional buttons get their hosts to spread them more, measurably more. Well, except sadness. Sad thoughts don't get very far. Awe is pretty good, which is why websites that construct thought germs like biological weapons arm them with titles like seven whatevers that will blow your mind or the shocking secret behind this thing. But anger is the ultimate edge for a thought germ. Anger bypasses your mental immune system and compels you to share it like nothing else. Being aware of your brain's weak spots is necessary for good mental health, like knowing how to wash your hands. Because even without intentional construction, any thought germ on the internet can, on its own, grow more infectious as it spreads to talk about why let's forget anger for a moment and go back to that cat photo every photo ever taken is a thought germ and most die a quick death like the bazillion cat photos or baby photos posted on the internet that are never shared but a mildly funny cat photo can grow into so much more because just as transatlantic flights were the best thing to happen to germ germs so the internet is the best thing to happen to thought germs for once on board that cat photo can leap into other brains and those brains might share it and and, here's the key point, occasionally change it. A photoshop here, a tweaked caption there. Mutations. Most changes are terrible, but some make the thought germ even funnier, getting more brains to share it, which results in more changes and a shot at superstardom. Thus, a lowly cat photo can achieve global brain domination.
0: This is how cultures evolve, and this applies to more than just the internet. Um, so the, the memes, or the genes, I'll, I'll call them memes, because that's the term. Of the culture they mute the slight little mutations the stronger ones survive and now the culture has that new trait
5: at least for a few hours the internet with its unparalleled ability to share and randomly change you
0: could argue i i'd argue that culture is alive in in a sense of the word not in the same sense we're alive but
5: thought germs can't help but make them stronger the with jokes that's awesome but with angry germs not always so awesome no angry germs the more they're shared undergo the same process changing and distorting to be more aggravating these have a better chance of spreading than they're possibly more accurate but probably also more boring rivals but like plagues thought germs can burn through a population too quickly just watch your favorite meme generating machine for a week and you'll see the life cycle fly by however some thought germs have found a way around burn- Now, I must warn you, depending on which thought germs live in your head and which you fight for, the next section might sound horrifying. So please keep in mind, we're talking about what makes some thought germs successful, particularly angry ones, and not how good or how bad the thoughts themselves are. Deep breath, calm. Thought germs can burn out, because once everyone agrees, it's hard to keep talking and thus thinking about them. But if there's an opposing thought germ, an argument, then the thinking never has to stop. The disagreement doesn't have to be angry, but again, angry helps. The more visible an argument gets, the more bystanders it draws in, which makes it more visible, which is why every group from the most innocuous internet forum to the national conversation can turn into a double rage storm across the sky in no time. Wait, these thought germs aren't competing, they're cooperating. Working together, they reach more brains and hold their thoughts longer than they could alone. Thought germs on opposite sides of an argument can be symbiotic. One tool symbiotic anger germs in particular can employ is you're with us or against us. Whatever thought germ does left to the front of your brain, push it back. This video isn't about that. We're just talking about this tool, which makes it very hard for neutral brains to resist, and its divisiveness also grows its symbiotic partner. This explains why, in some arguments, gaining more allies also gains more enemies. Because though the participants think they're involved in a fiery battle to the death, from the anger germ's perspective, one side is a field of flowers and the other a flock of butterflies. Of course planting more flowers will get you more butterflies, and getting more butterflies will pollinate more flowers. If there is some argument that splits the population and lasts forever, and that even the most neutral people find difficult to avoid, you just might be looking at a super successful pair of symbiotic anger germs that have reached ecological stability. Now, one final depressing thought, uh, I mean one more awe-inspiring point that will reveal the secrets of, uh, actually no, it's just depressing. When opposing groups get big, they don't really argue with each other, they mostly argue with themselves about how angry the other group makes them. We can actually graph fights on the internet to see this in action. Each becomes its own quasi-isolated internet sharing thoughts about the other. You see where this is going, right? Each group breeds thought germs about the other, and, as before, the most enraging, but not necessarily the most accurate, spread the fastest. The group almost can't help but construct a totem of the other so enraging they'll talk about it all the time, which, now that you know how thought germs grow, is exactly what makes the totem always perfectly maddening. Now, all this isn't to say there's no point in arguing. That's a different video. Or that the internet isn't amazing, or that there aren't things worth trying to change people's That's a different video. Or that the internet isn't amazing, or that there aren't things worth trying to change people's minds about. Thought germs of all kinds come and go, but it's useful to be aware of how thoughts can use our emotions to spread, and how the more rapidly a thought is able to spread, the more chances it has to become even better at spreading through random changes that are made to it. Sometimes that's great, sometimes it's terrible. But if you want to maintain a healthy brain, it pays to be cautious of thoughts that have passed through a lot of other brains and that poke you where you're weakest. It's your brain be hygienic with it (laughs) so all right
0: ava one hour music collection
2: I'm going to tell you what's going When you say goodbye, that'll be the day When you make me cry There you go leave me You know it's a lie And you know why I feel blue about Peggy, about Peggy Sue
6: Well, I love you, girl, I love you, you
2: Peggy Sue Peggy Sue, Peggy Sue Oh, how my heart goes to you, oh, Peggy Girl, and I need you, piggy suit, piggy suit, piggy suit, suit. my piggy suit. Well, I love you, girl. Yeah, right. The um, girl
0: oh do they have that song? I guess not okay this one
6: works
2: Real oh, yeah, baby used to stay out all night long. Man in town Spent all my money Playing a hot class game She put me out It was a pity how I cried Breakfast in bed when I got worried she could ease my aching head, but now she's here and there with every man in town, still trying to take me.
0: Next song I've had memorized for years, but I haven't done it in a karaoke version before. Alright. I don't even need the lyrics for this, but I'll use them anyway. <sighs>
6: Bright light city Gonna set my soul Gonna set my soul on fire Got a whole lot of money That's ready to burn So get those stakes up higher well, There's a thousand pretty women Waiting out there And they're all living The devil don't care And I'm just the devil with a love to spell Viva Las Vegas Viva There were more than the 24 hours in the day, and even if there were 40 more, I wouldn't waste a minute away. Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel, fortune won and lost on every deal. Oh, you need some strong heart and nerves of steel.
2: Viva Las Vegas, Viva Las Vegas.
6: Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing And one eye band is crashing Almost throws down the drain Viva Las Vegas turning day to night time And night and day time If you see it once I'll never be the same again Let me Keep on the road with every support. It cost me my very last time I'm broke, they will always remember that hand swing in time. Well, I'm gonna give it everything I've got. So later, look, please let the dice stay hot. I'm forging one and lost on every shot. So, Viva Las Vegas, Viva Las Vegas,
2: Viva Las Vegas, Viva Las Vegas. Viva
0: I've run out of time, ladies and gentlemen. But that has been point counterpoint. I'm your host, Chris Wright. This is with KUSD University St. Thomas Campus Radio. It's been Lit Fam Namaste. Keep it real.